0: This is the podcast where you control the conversation, right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. My name is William Bibbiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap. Whitney, who are you?
1: Okay. I usually also say everybody calls me Bibs. Oh, God, the one time I... Waiting for that part. Everybody calls me Bibs. I'm sorry. I didn't realize
0: Whitney loved it so much. My
1: name is Whitney Seibold. Sorry, we have a pattern. I have to sort of fall in. I Uh, My my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. I write for Slash Film. And, uh, yeah, this is our podcast where... We read your
0: emails or your physical letters, whichever you prefer. Here's how it works. You send us correspondence, and then we answer it. Mm. We answer your questions. We respond to your prompts. We uh, listen to critiques you might have or corrections. Or if you have additional information about something we discussed in some of our podcasts. Or if you just want us to talk about something weird. Whatever you want, really. This is your show. Uh, Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Or if you'd prefer to send us uh, mail the old-fashioned way, which a few people did, and we're going to start with that. Whitney, mm. what is our PO box? You
1: can send us a letter at uh, PO Box six four one five six five, Los Angeles, California nine double zero six four. Send us—we like opening envelopes.
0: And indeed, we've got a little uh, bit of catching up to do because, mm. as we mentioned in another podcast, Whitney and I both had COVID, and we had to uh, uh, you know hunker down mm. and not go out, and so the mail piled up a smidge. So. Let's open up the P.O. box and uh, see what we got.
1: Firstly, hand me one of those, will you? What the, the, uh,
0: the, 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 the toothpicks? Ca- no, the candies. Oh the, the can- Oh with, the, the candies. Yes, with, yeah, sorry. I was like what uh, I wanna I wanna <laughs> shake it on the
1: mic can't really hear it that well It'll um yeah somebody sent us uh, and these didn't come with a note uh caffeine melts
0: ah yes because <laughs> so we because knew. we don't we, we sleep too much yeah well, i guess we sleep too much <laughs> uh
1: they came in three different strengths there was like this one comes with 60 um milligrams of caffeine mm. uh, i got one another had, one here one, which is that's, that's the 60 there. this is the
0: virgin pack which is 60 uh, yeah
1: uh there was one that's 120 grams oh, yeah, I, it, and yeah, then uh, the, the, other the small one is 150 grams yeah so a uh, hundred 150 grams is like a cup and a half of coffee that's like a lot in a single one of these melts and you put them under your tongue Mm -hmm. uh They're bitter as fuck. I tried one. (laughs) Like they try to make them have like these sort of sweeten it, like coconut lemon. Mm -hmm. No, they they taste like bitterness.
0: Well, I haven't tried one yet, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I I imagine it's like when you have like medicine and it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's grape flavored Robitussin. Mm -hmm. No, it's It's Robitussin that you threw some stuff in. Mm -hmm. It's still, it's still medicine. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know what? Here's the thing with a lot of people who enjoy coffee or other forms of caffeination. Mm -hmm. uh, There is indeed an objective to it. Oh. You might enjoy the aesthetic or the taste or whatever, but you're probably drinking coffee because it wakes you up. So the idea of having a caffeine hmm. supplement makes a lot of sense. And, yeah, this this, so this uh, some, the coconut somebody, lemon sounds delicious. I'll try that later. Somebody, yeah, somebody gave us yeah. some caffeine Not, supplements. It's a little late at night. I'd never go to oh, sleep no. at all if I took it now. But, yeah, yeah these, are, these are fun. And thank you so much for that. It's very kind of uh, you.
1: But we also got some letters and some other gifts as well. I'm Let's gonna, take a look. And because if it's on paper, I'm gonna, of course going to... Get some papery noises. Roll something nice Mike and tactile. Here. There we go. Okay, All right. Here we go. Here's a letter from um, Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Anthony. Thank you Anthony. so much for your letter. Uh, and this uh, says, "Dear Thunder and Lightning." Nice. All right, it comes a nice red envelope too. Like Very pretty. Christmas Thank card. Um, I just want to say, after discovering you two on the movie trivia Schmodown in 2019, finding your podcast through Collider, mm. uh, you guys recap recaptured my love for movies again. Uh, I went know. to Pasadena City College as a film major in 2010, but I got overwhelmed by the cost, the amount of people who also went in, uh, want that director's chair, and not to mention the leadership skills to make a film happen. Mm. Right now, I'm a freelance artist making my own movies through animation and artwork. So, peeps, I have three, count them, three questions. Okay. Oh, well, th- congratulations. On yeah, congratulations. But I, and, I actually, uh, uh, I, I grew up in Pasadena, so I'm very familiar with that mm-hmm. college. Uh, number one. Do you see any evidence that mm. Frank Herbert's Dune, slowly getting the Shakespeare treatment in Hollywood, where various directors would want to direct their unique version of the novel? Oh, God. Uh, if not, would you want to? Uh, I guess do, we gonna. Do, s- t- do one at a time? Yeah, because these yeah.
0: are...
1: Uh, um, I th- don't... These are all about Dune, however. <laughs> I,
0: okay. Um, I don't think so. Here's the thing with um, Frank Herbert getting... When we talk about, like, sort of... Hollywood likes to go in shifts, where, like, they get really obsessed with doing works from a certain author. Like, the 80s was all about Stephen mm-hmm. King. The mm-hmm. turn of the century, we had a whole bunch of Elmore Leonard's. Yeah, uh, John we, Grisham there for a second. John yeah. Grisham and uh, Jane Austen and Shakespeare in the 90s. Um, I'm not sure. I think what happened was, I think young adult novels kind of got in the way there. Be- thing, yeah. Because, like, every, there was a whole series to do of of novels, and there wasn't, like... They were all disconnected, like, oh, it was a completely different John Grisham story. It's like, no, they're all in a, in a line, so you just do them all at once, and I think that kind of derailed that. Um, I honestly don't... Frank Herbert didn't do a lot of non-Dune stuff, it is to the best of my knowledge. He's, yeah. he's mostly known for his works in Dune, which there are many. Um, I would be very surprised... If Dune was one of those entities, at least in the short run, because A, Warner Brothers has all of them and they're not in a rush to get them out. Mm. They could have shot both of them at the same time. The first two parts of Dune, they decided to hedge their bets. They're being a little cautious because those are very expensive movies. Yeah, uh, And since they've got that attitude towards it, and who knows what the new administration thinks of it, um, yeah, I can't imagine they're eager to get a whole bunch of different like yeah, Dunes I- out there. If the new one makes huge bank... Maybe all bets are off, Uh but I don't know. I find it a little, I find Dune to be a little sterile.
1: Well, d- As yeah, stories d- go. Dune is is about its architecture yeah. more than it is about its characters. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: I mean, you could point to some of, like, Baron Harkonnen's like a fun bad guy kind of a character. Yeah, there are fun characters but, uh, in it, but
0: they're kind of broadly drawn yeah, they're, figures, they're, you
1: know? They're, they're meant to be kind of distant and alien. That's kind yeah. of the point of the book. It takes place in this very strange different world it's not a human place
0: it's one of the reasons why i think Denis villeneuve was even though i'm not a huge fan of that movie probably well suited to that material because it's such a cold structure
1: facing director it
0: makes sense to hire him to do it that's Mm -hmm. for sure yeah
1: uh i i don't think dune like shakespeare is incredibly human in its richness Mm. I guess if, you know, you're just looking to see how different directors might design what an ornithopter looks like, (laughs) and you just want to see a bunch of different ornithopters, then sure, I guess anybody could take a crack at it, but that's not improving or changing or even bringing an interpretation to the material. There's not a lot of interpretation to dune dune is a structured story it's about a revolution
0: i would actually argue that at the very least the early parts of dune Mm -hmm. like the the main dune novel i'm 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 familiar with stuff that happens in the later ones and i know it gets super weird and abstract but the first one is kind of weirdly literal which is why i appreciate actually what david lynch did the with the material in the 80s and made it much more about like the quasi-religious elements Mm -hmm. um David Lynch's Dune is very different from Denis Villeneuve's Dune. However, the plot's the exact same. Yeah. And, indeed, you can totally get the main gist of all of it. He changed some of the details, mm. but mostly it's right there. Uh, even, like, uh, even like the costumes look the same, because the book is so specific about it. Right. Um, so... I don't feel like Dune is a sort of thing where, like, every few years we'll get a new Dracula or every mm-hmm. few years we'll get a new Romeo and Juliet, where people putting their own stamp on it are going to not only be able to just kind of do it their way, but to bring something new out of the material. I'm not sure about that. I honestly no, don't not, get that vibe from Dune. Yeah,
1: no. I've been wrong I, before. I, but, I, I as well. Yeah. Um, uh, number two. Question yes. Number two. New question. Uh, is the Sci-Fi Channel's version of Dune? The miniseries uh-huh. on your list for all our yesterdays. <laughs> Some say it's book accurate. Uh, I saw that one. Mm. It is book accurate. It's kind of boring. Okay, uh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, um, not not a big fan of the the, the Sci-Fi Channel. Did you see the, it? Because
0: they did Dune. I think they did Children of Dune as well, right? Yeah, I didn't see, see both. Children of okay, Dune. I just
1: saw the first one. All right. Um, yeah, it was all right. Like okay. it, it, they they were careful, more careful about. Including a lot of details from the mm-hmm. book. That was their mission.
0: It was kind so, of like, uh, it's my understanding mm-hmm. that the sci-fi rendition of Dune was quite a bit like the TV miniseries version of The Shining. Yeah. yeah where it was basically just, like, we might not they, have the money or the style, but at the very least we could be more accurate. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, to me that wasn't important, so yeah, yeah. getting it accurate was secondary to telling a good story and i think they didn't do that they're definitely
0: I, uh, I do think that there is something to be said almost as an experiment where there are people who might say i don't like that other version because it's not accurate mm. to or it's not faithful as an adaptation to then do the faithful adaptation just to see if it would work mm. there's some curiosity there yeah
1: I've, I've, that was particularly interesting with the shining because the mm. the kubrick film from 1980 is yeah. uh, 81 is uh i think 80 actually 80, yeah uh yeah. Was uh, not accurate to the book, but it's also terrifying and yeah. very atmospheric and an incredibly striking movie. I would, people I would one it of the best stead. horror movies
0: ever made. Yeah. If you ask um, me, yeah.
1: And then uh, Stephen King, the author, is like, "No, you changed too much out of my book. Uh, my book was about something different, so I'm going to do it my way." Mm-hmm. And he's right. And guess what? People uh, watched. Some people watched that. But that's not the one that we're going to when we think about The Shining. No. It's not, it's uh, not fact, terrible. It's, they, just not its, own,
0: it's just its own thing.
1: When they finally made a sequel to The Shining, mm-hmm. when uh, the kid grew up and they made Doctor Sleep, they tried really hard to ride this line between mm-hmm. what was in the Stephen King book that it was based on yeah, and get a lot of iconography and costumes and characters as they looked in the Kubrick movie. Yeah and as it turned to this weird mutant
0: animal. I actually like that one because I feel like what Dr Sleep the movie did cuz Stephen King obviously just made a sequel to his book and didn't care about the movie I think what Mike Flanagan did and I actually think this is an accurate reading of the adaptation the book of the shining is from Jack Torrance's perspective it's mm. his story and I think it's one of the reasons why Stephen King wasn't super fond of the movie is because Jack is the monster in that one. He's not a sympathetic figure, whereas the book spends a lot more time in his head. Mm. The movie is more... If if you if I think it was from any one character's perspective, it's from Danny's. Yeah, it's,
1: it's and, more Danny's story.
0: And I think the way that Dr. Sleep functions as a film is the <clears throat> book is what happened from Jack's perspective, mm. and the movie is what happens from Danny's perspective. Okay. And as Danny grows up... He realizes that he his memories are what happened, hmm. but he realizes that what his dad was going through was more complicated than he could have been aware of as a child. Yeah. Then I think that's how they try to have their cake and eat it too. That it was a matter of those both were tellings of the same story from different people's perspectives. And since Danny was very young, he remembered things very differently. Okay. I think it's interesting. I actually like that adaptation. But anyway, All right. yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Dr. Sleep I don't I love it. I don't care what Danny's up to as an adult like, I, I, we, we saw him I didn't either until him, I saw but, the movie And I uh, thought it was really neat Okay uh, Also vampire thermoses Vampire uh, thermos <laughs> Where else are you gonna put The Shining for God's
0: sake You gotta put it somewhere gotta put it in a
1: vampire thermos Where do you want to put it in
0: a box a st- Would that be better for you It's a stupid ass movie <laughs> Um <laughs> A lot of Stephen so, King shit is stupid uh, yeah, at the, one point I'll, or another. I'll, yeah, even I'll the good the, stuff is can I'll, be really st- stupid. Sometimes the, the stuff
1: that you can say is like the Stephen King stuff. Like it's yeah. this, this a, stupid a lot. There's a lot of
0: Stephen Kings that's kind of stupid in yeah. parts. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, uh,
1: question number three. Okay, uh, can you film? Uh, can you film Mentats? Those are the um, mm. the human computer characters from Dune. Oh yeah, they have the little imprint on their. Yeah,
0: mouth. and there's like you see him in the new oh, no, movie. They're, like they were the
1: ones with the stains on their mouths. Okay. Uh, yeah, those are the Mentats. Uh, can you film Mentats? Uh, help me find it. Uh, help me out in finding a title to this film. Oh, can you film? He's calling us film Mentats. I I was asking oh, so if we can we're, film we're Mentats. Mentats. Okay, got it. Can you film Mentats? Okay. That's me
0: just reading uh, that. that. That would be a great name can for a you podcast. Fi- help me
1: in finding out the title of this film. The okay. movie centers around a boy mm-hmm. discovering a humanoid alligator creature outside the protagonist's hometown in a very foggy swamp. Uh-huh. I've rented this film during elementary school and for two decades I can't seem to remember the title uh, thank you for taking time to read this letter inside I have a small card if you desire any art or animations for critically acclaimed don't hesitate to contact me uh, hasta proximo Ven mi, ves mis amigos Anthony Ray Jimenez uh, and here is yeah his business card oh very cool yeah. thank you it's in there very nice P.S. let's all do our part to combat climate change i've refused to see earth turn into a real arrakis thank you
0: um
1: <laughs> alligator man um ah uh, that's interesting there was uh, there there is an old b movie called i think just attack called like alligator people or attack of the alligator people yeah that's from like
0: the 50s or something yeah, yeah. Where it's, uh,
1: and, and it's really bad makeup like people are wearing just alligator heads but also like 50s slacks mm-hmm. um That might be it. I remember there was an episode of The X-Files with an alligator, Mm -hmm. like a reptile-looking guy. It would
0: probably be helpful to know, like, Mm -hmm. whenabouts you saw this. Yeah. Uh, So, like, if you were, like, a kid, and look, so so if you went to college around 2010, I think uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Anthony said, um, so you probably would have grown up in, like, the 80s and early 2000s. So it's nothing later than that. Um, but it, you can also, like, sometimes tell when you're, like, trying to figure these things out, like, what aesthetic did it have? Did it feel like an 80s movie? Did it feel like an 80s movie? Th- the setup sounds like a movie that I actually used to have trouble finding, and then I finally uh, figured out I was looking for the wrong title. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, an Australian movie called The Quest, which I recently mentioned when we talked about Stunt Rock, because yeah, it was also a by Brian, Trek, right, Brian Stratton, Stratton yeah. Smith. No, which is about a boy who, in Australia, who finds what he thinks is a, like, a sea monster in like a disused like a, like a, a swamp or like a flooded quarry or something uh and then it turns out it's more interesting than that um i doubt that's what you're talking about because there's no monster monster in it um the closest thing i could think of is a movie that came out i think it was a tv movie i could be wrong uh in the 1990s uh which co-starred uh paul winfield called the legend of Face." <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Uh
0: I I don't really recall much about this, but it sounded like kind of familiar so I looked it up. Um, and uh, here's the IMDb. I,
1: I just looked it up. I don't know the Legend of Game. I don't
0: know it, it very well either. I think I just kind of remember maybe I saw like a bit of it on TV or something. Uh, but here's this. Here's the summary on IMDb. It maybe this is it. Let us know if we got it right. Be be curious. A group of boys concoct a yarn about having been threatened by a legendary swamp beast, and then meet the real thing, learning it is a gentle, compassionate creature. The locals believe their original story, and try hunting down the monster uh right. pretty 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 standard kids befriend a monster type material always a good friend uh 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 good always sub, a good subgenre yeah. yeah um so maybe that's it. if it's not, let us know we can try again, but my first thought is that might be what you're thinking of mm. uh so yeah hopefully that helps mm. you know I'd earn our mintats uh, oh, uh, cool. uh monikers.
1: And then we'll film some Mentats. All right, what else have we got? Thank you so oh, much, yeah, Anthony, yeah, for the letter. Thank you, yeah. Anthony, for that. We also got um, not just a physical letter, but some gifts. Oh, from my goodness. Somebody else. Thank you so much. We got, first of all, the gifts are mm. two Star Trek novels. Ooh! Um, uh, a, a little worse for wear. Uh, if yeah, they yeah. If you look carefully here, you can see that some animal, uh, like, those oh, look like no. kitty teeth got into the, oh. one of the corners of this book. Cats uh, love novels. <laughs> Uh, what do um, we got here? But this is a Star Trek Vanguard okay. Harbinger and Star Trek Vanguard Summon the Thunder.
0: Is Vanguard like a... like a
1: Vanguard is the name of, if you look at the cover here, this, uh-huh. there's the Enterprise, uh, Kirk's Enterprise, and uh-huh. it, they're next to like a rather large space station. So
0: Vanguard's name is Space Vanguard, Station? And in
1: fact, if you look So here, this is a
0: bunch of series of books take place on this space on station. On this
1: like space station. It's Ooh, like uh, uh, Let's see original series era it's like version of blueprints Deep space Nine. of the yeah. space
0: station that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, the, these came out in the, like the mid 2000s it looks like. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, 2006 these ones were written.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing how like the second like a paperback starts aging and getting just a little yellowed. Oh. It looks like it could be from the 50s. Like it's just immediately <laughs> something about that. It the, just immediately the, the just emulsion or yeah, whatever oh, I love the pieces. It. Um yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, sir. So, through mm. and these are long ones, too, oh, so yeah, like these 300 and 400 pages. Hefty. Um, yeah, directed yeah, by a, David.
0: Uh, sorry, directed, written by David Mack. Is yours by David Mack? Uh, this well? one's
1: by Dayton Ward and Kevin Dillmore. Okay, uh, they had a, a stable of authors that would go sure. out to write these things. Sure. Um, great gig in, if you can, in, get yeah. It. In the 90s, that when I was reading the Star Trek novels, they yeah. had um. The the way they structured it is they had numbered books like mm-hmm. the book uh, they each show had like its own series of numbers so yeah. this is original series number thirty eight And yeah they just keep on writing with the original series they kind of jump around in time they could choose what era they wanted to write about sure and then there were um, I forget what they called them but there were things that weren't numbered and those were like the bigger thicker special novels mm. uh, like.
0: The centerpiece the, edition. Like, yeah, yeah like the, big, a, the big ones. When
1: when uh, Peter David writes a book about Q, they're not just going to stick that in the number. That's an important book. It's yeah. a little thicker. I get a hardcover uh, of and, that. Yeah, yeah. So you get a hardcover of Q squared, and that, that's not numbered. Oh my God, I got to think I owned that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Q squared is uh, they meet Q and also the Squire of Gothos, and they explain explicitly that that character from the original series was a Q.
0: No, my brother owned that. I didn't own that. Oh, okay. but we had it at I, the house. I, I, yeah, I, 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 read I didn't that read one. that, but like, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Uh, but then in the 2000s, they started doing stuff like this, where mm. uh, they would have create
0: like, an offshoot.
1: They'd, yeah, they create a, like a whole like miniature arc around a specific incident or yeah. piece of history in Star Trek. So yeah. this is like Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, the Dominion Wars, number one, mm. and they'd have like a six-book cycle within that. Uh, Peter David, to mention him again, mm. uh, actually created his own spin-off series. Uh, well, like, it took place on a new ship, it had a new captain, and a lot of cast-off characters from Next Generation ended up in this series. He was trying to create his own spin off of Next Generation. It was called Star Trek New Frontier. Uh, <clears throat> that one was very exciting at the time, because no- nobody had done that yet. At least, like, with the Star Trek Imperator. Yeah. But it comes with a letter oh, thanks from much. just the letter T. Hello, T. And uh, it says, uh, Dear Captain McCool, Commander Bibiani, and Ensigns Luca and Dante. They <laughs> hey, guys, are you're yeoman- drafted. They are yeoman. <laughs> they did not graduate Starfleet Academy, those no, guys. they're
0: pretty smart. They, know, right. they, uh, they, solved, they solved the various riddles about treats. <laughs>
1: I'd love to see cats at Starfleet. Anyway, about these Star Trek novels. It says, I'll Hmm. begin with a peace offering due to the length of this. Ah, don't worry about that. Ah. Uh, Whitney mentioned Star Trek novels in the most recent dollar yesterday's. I want to do one, do I not? And. It behooved me to send these, the first two installments of the Star Trek Vanguard novel series, which ran for seven novels, Ooh. a short story collection, and an e-novella coda between uh, 2005 and 2012. Hmm. It's set on a far-flung space station during the TOS era. I actually looked in the front of one of these books, and mm. uh, it takes place immediately after Where No Man Has Gone Before. Oh, wow, so, so it's really early. Like right really, after the pilot. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, And it features one of the most diverse casts, not just racially, but in terms of occupation. JAG officers, diplomats, a reporter. Trek has never been featured. That Trek has never featured. Mm. Uh, Do you like eldritch horrors? Do you like queer Vulcans? Mm. Do you like political brinkmanship? Have I got a series for you? I I love brinkmanship. (laughs) Brinkmanship. amazing yeah. it's uh, yeah. one of my favorite things trek has ever produced and uh, had it been filmed it might have even eclipsed ds9 in my heart wow. uh, so yeah van station van right. i'm down ah! uh, uh, the books sorry were, dropped something the books were always really good because they could play a little bit more freely about showing things that weren't uh starfleet the shows had to take place on a ship because that's yeah. the set they built uh, yeah but the uh the books yeah they could go to like have more interesting aliens, have more diverse mm-hmm. types of characters. I remember there was um, like this very Neuromancer tra- type character who had like blades in her fingers and, <laughs> and hypo sprays in her other hand and like automatic eye shape, like all this like augmentations that you wouldn't see on the show because it was too expensive yeah. to do, but you could just throw that out. I, I
0: just want to see more about M. Raz, who was always too expensive to do in live action, but I was a mainstay in the animated series. Never
1: saw her in a book. I'm sure she showed up. I'm sure okay, it's, um, a,
0: it's only it's a matter of time.
1: Uh, I've been thinking a lot about the concept of gatekeeping within mm. fandoms. Uh, yep. This has seemed particularly prevalent in Star Trek and Star Wars fan communities over the last mm. few years, but I imagine that it's true in others as well. While I certainly don't think either of your criticisms of contemporary Star Trek is unfair, although I don't agree with a good chunk of it, yeah. I have to dispute the notion that Star Trek is X, not Y. Star Trek wasn't on a space station, nor was it a war story before Deep Space Nine, but that remains to me the uh, franchise's high mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Uh, the need to continue photocopying TNG in Voyager and then copying uh, the copy in Enterprise nearly led to the franchise's extinction. Mm. I think it's perfectly legitimate to like or dislike the contemporary series or to slap them with ultimately subjective labels of good or bad, but I don't think it's fair to declare something not Star Trek because it's different from what came before. To paraphrase Picard from season number one of uh, Next Generation, things are only not Star Trek until they are. Uh, Although I think we can all agree that Strange New Worlds is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) On an entirely separate note earlier this summer the universe farted in my face and I ended <laughs> up with a serious illness necessitating oh, a 3 week hospital admission. Oh my god. Uh, major emergency surgery and an extended convalescence at home. Oh my god. No, well, I'm it, glad I hope you're feeling better. It sounds better. like you you might be only a others have a lot I of that hope, yeah. but uh, i'm so. thankfully doing much better now yes. uh, although there is still a long way to go in the immediate aftermath of my surgery while i remained in the hospital i found myself psychologically retreating to a very childlike place and found myself streaming movies from my school age and pre-teen years uh, notably flight of the navigator oh, the rescuers down under yes and the rocketeer all nice. on disney plus and the original teenage mutant ninja turtles on hbo max i think you and i are about the same age all uh,
0: classics yeah, you, all good films
1: uh, which leads me to a question. Do either of you have any comfort food movies that you reach to when life kicks you in the head? <laughs> uh, I appreciate everything you guys do. The uh, back uh, catalog of Holy Batman also featured in my hospital stay. Oh. Uh, let's go boldly. T. Uh, P.S. Please forgive the used na- used nature of the books. Uh, they are long out of physical print. Oh, I imagine th- so. That, that gives them more character. And you I, that's uh, I wouldn't
0: want them any other way. Yeah, I'm dead serious about that. Um,
1: I, I was one of those jerks who hmm. uh, always tried to Hold my finger on the binding of my paperbacks so it wouldn't, so crack, crack, wouldn't them. crack them, yeah. and, uh, so I tried to keep them in good shape because that was just my you, my own habit. You do
0: what you can, but mm. I I, I kind of like books that are a little weathered.
1: Uh, it's, yeah. like, it's nice that the well, book
0: has a history. In it. I I,
1: did, I never like to hurt my own books, oh, sure. but I would always buy damaged ones from used bookstores. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't that picky. It's just sort of my mm. habit of how I held the book. Uh, well, first uh, off, hang, hang on. Oh, sorry, uh, I thought you were done. Uh, there, were, the there were my personal copies these were oh, oh my goodness these are the we're papers. honored thank um, you if you look closely you can see teeth marks from my cat but oh you, are, you yeah. called it immediately called it. It a cat.
0: he had not opened that letter by uh, the way that was a pure guess
1: oh who, who sadly the cat had to be put to sleep right before oh, i got sick i'm sorry uh, so been there t- t- been t- teeth there. marks uh, uh, a little memento an from, honor from forgotten an cat.
0: honor to have um
1: when these books were first published, he was still a kitten and found Aww. the best way to consume literature was to do so literally. So those are little, Aww, little kitten fang marks on that's those. That's
0: adorable. I love Ooh. it. They'll treasure it all the more now. So
1: uh, to open to a random page. Okay. You,
0: some. Okay. you, you
1: have uh, Vanguard, which, which book is that one? Uh,
0: This is Harbinger.
1: Harbinger. All right.
0: Uh, the sharp clacks of her boots on the gunmetal gray deck echoed loudly in the confined bare-walled space. Seizing his labors, Quinn pulled his head out of his ship and looked at Teprin, who stalked toward him. Don't you knock, lady? You said you had information. <laughs> I could go on, but, like,
1: <laughs> Don't you knock, lady? Uh, this is uh, for Summon yeah. the Thunder. <laughs> Which, th- that sounds like something a warm-up comedian would say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, Summon the Thunder! Yay! Uh, hurrying from Jatanian's officer's, uh, offices toward the privacy of her own quarters... Sendez- Sendezjo imagined that the world of the impending summit meet the impending summit meeting and the possibilities of it afforded the klingon empire uh might make it back to ambassador Lugok in time for him to exploit the situation in his favor Ooh, <laughs> oh there's a lot of intrigue in this a lot one going on right. well, um go. no thank you so much
0: food. Uh Again, thank you for these. We will treasure them. Mm-hmm. Um, you had There were two main points uh, in your letter. The first one was gatekeeping. Yeah. Uh, and I, I suppose we have used the suggestion that this feels like Trek or this doesn't feel like Trek. Mm-hmm. And I've made the point multiple times that one of the things that makes Trek so great is its malleability. I happen to agree with you mm-hmm. that Trek's obsession with sticking with the routine of people on the bridge of a starship and traveling around and finding new adventures every week, though certainly uh, a great...
1: Surely
0: versatile. Versatile, a good framework for telling lots of different stories. Um... You can only do so many before you, the well runs a little dry and maybe you need to recharge. And I think that's one of the reasons why Deep Space Nine works so well was because by just changing the paradigm a little, hmm. instead of going out into the world, everyone had to come to us, Yeah, you changed it just enough that there was a, a room to tell stories we could never have told before. Yeah, And I've, I think one of the things that I like about Star Trek is it's such a richly constructed world yeah. where... You absolutely could do a great show with a lot of different elements that would feel like other previous episodes that we liked, but go from a different direction in a lot of different ways. I'm still shocked we've never had a Starfleet Academy show. We've never had, like, a Starfleet, like, the West Wing, where it's all about diplomats. That could be really, really interesting. We've never had a show that takes place entirely on an alien planet. Like, what if we just had a show... Set set on Cronos, you Um, know, like, why not? Like, you could totally do that. It'd be awesome.
1: I, uh, in an article I wrote for IGN way back in the day, it's like, oh, uh, this was right when Paramount Plus says, hey, we're going to start launching all these new Star Trek shows. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, what do you want to see? So it's okay. The Ferengi show. Set on the Home, homework. Okay. I want to see that. Frankenar. Uh, I want to see. Uh, I want to see Utopia Planitia, where they build the ships. Mm,
0: that you could know, be li- cool. Life
1: about the engineers You just sort of put ships together. And that could the, be really like, neat. Mysteries and problems they have. A bunch of gear heads. Yeah, you know like... all the technical stuff. That's what Star Trek video is for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to see Star Trek: The Last Generation. Oh, like what's the, the end la- of like, What is yeah. the final Federation ship up to? You know, it's, everything's fallen apart. That's... A single ship has all of like a repository of knowledge, like a yeah. library. And they have to protect it all. Like that would cool be a fun, interesting idea for a Star Trek. Cool show. Idea. Uh, I think when people say things like "That's not Star Trek," it's really just a fun semantic game they're playing. Mm. Uh, they're not saying that doesn't count as Star Trek. They're just saying I hate it. Well, That's all they're really saying. And uh, I, I think the idea that uh, when people say "That's not Star Trek," it's just a fun way of rejecting uh, certain ideas. A lot of people mm. say, I, I, "This is the one I hear most frequently." Is There are three films about Indiana Jones.
0: Oh, yeah. We don't count Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, Kingdom of the Crystal
1: Skull doesn't count. And, Mm -hmm. okay, you know what? I understand what you mean when you're saying that. You You don't don't like that movie. You you don't don't want to talk about it You don't like that movie and you don't want to talk about it. Uh, It's so bad that it reflects badly (laughs) on the other ones. That's all you're saying. Yeah. You're not saying it literally doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what like Trekkies and Wars say when they say, oh, that's not Star Wars or that's not Star Trek. I think that um, there
0: I think there are some exceptions to that, though. Mm-hmm. I think there are definitely conversations about, particularly what is canon. Oh, well, when it comes to canon, pe- pe-
1: that's a different conversation.
0: People, right? and, but also there are a lot of uh, uh, times where people are very eager mm-hmm. to tow a company line about what is or is not official. Like, for mm-hmm. example, uh, in James Bond. People are like, okay, there's only like this many James Bond movies, and I'm like, no, because you forgot the original Casino Royale, and you Uh, forgot Never Say Never Again. It's
1: particularly galling with James Bond, because they change the continuity all the time in that series. They do
0: change the continuity all the time, but even beyond that, the only reason why the 60s Casino Royale... And maybe Never Say Never Again in the 80s aren't included is because Eon Productions didn't make them. Yeah, yeah. Which is, but they're still official adaptations. <laughs> they're actually, and also they're not bad. Like, I mm-hmm. like both of those movies. No, Never Say Never Again. It's not great. It's but... not great, but it's, it's certainly, it's far from the worst James Bond movie. There's some good <laughs> yeah, stuff in that's, there. That's for sure. So, I, I, it's one of those things where I prefer to, I, I accept everything, whether mm-hmm. it's canon, not canon, if it was officially made, or unofficially made and good enough, I might even cut slack in that regard I'm still on record as thinking Galaxy Quest should count as a Star Trek movie it's not literally, but it's clearly (laughs) uh, would only exist in a universe with Star Trek that could inspire it Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's all part of it but I have another point, but I'll let you... I'll let well, you...
1: I, I think that yeah. Um, yeah, arguing canon is actually... A, that's a fun thing to do. Can be. But it's, it's a fun uh, way to sort of... Especially when you're dealing with something like Star Trek, where mm. you're talking about uh, timelines and different you know, parallel universes, because that happens kind of frequently in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, where does this one fit in? Oh, a wonderful conspiracy I heard was that... Uh, because of some oblique contractual obligation Mm. between, uh, this was when Viacom and CBS were two different entities and they made the, the, uh, JJ Abrams movie and it had to be different from the original. That was like the contract.
0: There were some legal requirements had to be sufficiently different.
1: And, uh, Leonard Nimoy is in that film as Spock. Mm. And the idea that was in the audience's head was, okay, this is how Spock, as we saw him in the TV show and the movies, Mm. Leonard Nimoy, uh, the, and they called him Spock Prime and the, to separate him from the new Spock. Just
0: so there'd be some yeah. clarity about who you're talking about, yeah. But because
1: of that contractual uh, obligation, they weren't allowed to include anything from the original series. So the Prime timeline... Is
0: still is not the original still timeline.
1: still not the original timeline. That, that one drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, well, that's just making him too complicated for me. That's fun. It's fun to suss that it kind of stuff fun. out. It's fun to debate that kind of stuff. Is there a definite answer? Of course not. It's just fun to debate it. And... Yeah. Uh, and but this uh, will start to overlap with the other point, which was the idea of gatekeeping and yeah. the idea of gatekeeping, saying you can't be a true fan unless you see all of these, or you've collected mm-hmm. this, or you've done this, or like, or again, unless you uh, toe,
0: or unless you agree with certain ideologies, where this is good, this is uh, bad, yeah, yeah. this like, counts, this doesn't, etc. If, if, if
1: you like this Star Wars movie, then you are not a true Star Wars fan. And, yeah,
0: um, which I do hear a this lot, is, and that again,
1: that's just semantics for saying I disagree.
0: Well, it should be, but some people mm-hmm. take it. More seriously than that yeah, Well those
1: people be... Are assholes And we can ignore them Oh uh, I don't want to I don't. Here's,
0: here's mm. uh, Ignoring them I'm not sure Is the right thing to do Because we need <laughs> to correct them And you can't correct them If you pretend that If you can mm. You don't hear them Okay It's just like You're saying about how Like okay There are four Indiana Jones movies uh, We just don't like that one Fine mm. Some people do But like fine But I feel that same way With these fandoms I mm. can't ignore That they exist yeah. We do need to mention them But we do need to clarify That you know Saying that These things aren't real Or these things don't mm. count
1: or, or is you're and, not a, you you can't call yourself a fan yeah, unless it, you're
0: is, blank. Yeah, is is bullshit gatekeeping nonsense. But I do believe in this. There's one th- slight thing I oh. I do think where, and again I don't think this needs to be a gatekeeping thing, but I think it is possible for a new installment of a pre-existing thing to push so far. At the boundaries of what that thing is. Like, just by that definition. It, but yeah. just, that, that it just no longer feels like it's of a piece. And I'm yeah. not saying that in terms of a value judgment, it may still be great. And it may be so great that it changes how we define it forever. But at the same time, I think it's okay to say that this doesn't really feel very Trekky. It's like Nemesis, trying Mm. to be much more like dark and and action-y. It didn't really feel very Trek at the time. And I think Discovery, Mm. what I've seen of it, feels a little more Nemesis-y in some ways. Mm. And so it's become part of the fabric. But initially, I think it is okay to Mm. say there are things that we like about... Star Trek, Star Wars, Mm -hmm. Doctor Who, whatever you're talking about That are distinctive To that franchise, this is why we go to it That's what what, what they are From their inception And if you jettison that We may like it less and again, that's very subjective, and some people are gonna like it that way, and we can totally yeah, uh, deal with that. But when I say like this doesn't feel very Star Trekky to me, it's because this might feel a little bit more Star Warsy to me. Mm-hmm. And while that may or may not be a bad thing, I think it is a descriptor.
1: I, and it's fair to use those descriptors. It and can I, be things when you just
0: going um, to keep do it measured in a uh, measured I, way, you know?
1: And and yeah, so when somebody goes to uh, you know an extreme, uh, and saying that that's not Star Trek, what what they're saying is that doesn't feel like what I think it should feel like and mm-hmm. uh, that, that's all they're really saying
0: and it's very um, subjective and we yeah, shouldn't it, take it like Mm. All or nothing Definitely not
1: When it comes to Like gatekeeping And fandom uh, First of all Fandom is kind of a I think a force for evil Generally speaking But um, Being uh, enthusiastic
0: uh, About something is good But fan comes from The word fanatical Uh, And fanaticism uh, Doesn't historically uh, End well
1: Yeah And if you're uh, Going so far as to Call yourself a fanatic About something Then there should be A dividing line Between a fanatic And a non-fanatic Which means There's a gate somewhere And those fanatics Are going to be The ones in charge of it so I think, if, I'm not I agree
0: on that, but I, see I your think point. if we're
1: talking about fandom, gatekeeping is part of its DNA. Yeah. I think gatekeeping and fandom are the same thing, and I Ooh. think uh, rejecting. Gatekeeping and trying to keep fandom is not going to work out. You know,
0: I, are, uh... I've, I, you know me. I like Star Wars a lot, mm-hmm. but I don't like Star Wars the way a lot of other people like Star Wars. Nor yeah. do I. So nor am I particularly would, obsessive about. it. You wouldn't call it.
1: yourself a fan. I you? don't,
0: and yeah. I don't typically call myself a fan of a lot of things. But I enjoy it, and I know a lot about it. And sometimes, mm-hmm. Star Wars fans are surprised by how much I know about it. Like, yeah. you, how do you know that much? You claim you, you don't even like the movies. Like, I do like the movies. I just don't discuss them. Yeah, in in the same way. I don't have don't, don't make it a part of my. My, my love isn't yeah. unconditional, and I don't go out of my way to see or read every single thing. Hmm. Uh, I have a different attitude towards it, and I have different takeaways from it. But because I have different attitudes, because I have different takeaways, I've never really felt very comfortable amidst hardcore Star Wars fans. Hmm. Some of them Are like famous for it. Some many of them are very very cool, I and mean, they're really wonderful people, and we can have wonderful conversations. But I've never really felt like I belonged in the same conversations that they're having with their other hmm. friends because. They're all on one wavelength, and uh, I'm on this it. wavelength. And like that is you, you
1: know a lot, yeah. but the presumption that you love every bit of it is mm-hmm. no is not present
0: exactly. and but that's but that's how I am a fan of things. Mm-hmm. That's how I care about things. It's not unconditional, and we can talk about mm-hmm. good things and bad things, even stuff that I love. There's a lot of stuff that I love that is parts that suck. Mm-hmm. I accept that. Um, I, look, I, I wish I, I wish I we could have a more healthy approach yeah, to what we call fandom, and I think yeah, some people um, do, and they're doing better about it, and we're having conversations about it, and that is good. But some people are clinging to the ugly no, stuff, and we we need to we need to step away from that.
1: The issue is, um, you know, when when the internet was still a bit of a novelty, and mm. fans could find each other from disparate locations and form online communities, that seemed mm-hmm. a very positive thing, right? Let's yeah. all talk get together and talk about the X-Files and mm-hmm. the things we noticed about or, or
0: even other things <sighs> could be like knitting or, or, yeah, w- or whatever. that like
1: doesn't even have to be media. D- just but,
0: uh, based on just where you happen to live geographically, there might not be other people who share the same interests as yeah, you and yeah. uh, being able to find them online is a good thing. Uh,
1: but then everybody moved online yeah. and you were encouraged to go to whatever corner you felt you fit in the most and all of the, the hateful dickheads gathered in the same place so now they feel like they're a of a bigger piece of fandom really they're just the noisiest uh they're they're no bigger or smaller than like any other piece of fandom. in fact casual
0: fans actually are the largest group
1: yeah uh, they are but again casual fan that's a little bit of an oxymoron that's true but like people Uh,
0: who would see for example people who would see every single marvel movie Mm. a lot of people oh yeah people who know the identity of every minor character who appears in those movies. And it's like, Oh my God, I know exactly where we're going in five movies because Willow the Wisp was in this one or something. <laughs> and they were Oh, the unicorn. Oh, the only Czechoslovakian character in all of Marvel in the eighties, mm. like something like really specific. That's mm. a real thing, by the way. Um, I did, a, I did a paper on Czechoslovakia when I was a kid And I was like, ooh, there's only one superhero in the Marvel Universe This is worth putting in there Said third grader me Um was important to you at the time It was, but uh, it, I, I digress um, People who are just Interested enough to follow it uh-huh. And enjoy it and care about it But Not interested enough To dedicate enormous chunks of their lives to it Or to constantly be on Twitter Talking about nothing but that Hmm The Marvel movies that are, like, making a billion dollars would not be making a billion dollars if that was the only audience they attracted. Yeah. Was people who have that much time on their hands to dedicate to mostly that with their personal lives. Mm -hmm. There's a general audience that is still most of the audience for a lot of these things. But, The other part of your uh, letter, by the way, great question, by the way. Mm Uh, The other part of your letter was uh, movies from When we were young that we like you know Cuddle up with like a warm blanket And we all have these Um I, I don't think I
1: do anymore. But you re- I, oh, really?
0: Still yeah. okay. Well, let me let me think off the top. Uh, I, I know I know my uh, my partner there's, does, but
1: there um, uh, there came a point in my life where I was just so busy uh, watching new films mm-hmm. uh, that I simply stopped rewatching movies. It's yeah. just not something I'm in, in the habit of doing any longer.
0: Yeah, I, so I, the I,
1: idea of having one that you go back to is not well, not really part of my brain
0: anymore. Well, I don't have one I go back to, mm-hmm. but I do have films I go back to, and I mm-hmm. and I try to make the time. It's hard. But I try to make the time to do that because Mm -hmm. I think that's part of keeping art in our soul is our connection to individual ones. Like, some people read, like, Pride and Prejudice every couple of years, that kind of thing, or whatever yeah. their favorite book is. I, I, um, I
1: listen, I re-listen to music more than I re-watch movies. But
0: that's days, another. But yeah. it's a very similar thing. Maybe you have an album that is a comfort album, and that's perfectly valid yeah. too. Uh, specifically in terms of films, um, I like revisiting a lot of the older movies that I used to watch with my mom when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this before, but uh, it was my mother who. Uh, when I was in, like really young, like in the second and third grade, uh, was like, we need to watch like every movie in the classic section of our video store, and that was how my obsession with cinema began, as opposed to just my casual interest. So, movies I would watch with my mom at that time, stuff like uh, Strangers on a Train, mm-hmm. or Mrs. Miniver, or... Um, I'm trying to think. I, I'm not as big a fan of the Philadelphia story as I used to be, but that's, that's one of them uh christmas in connecticut bringing a baby a lot of those old classics from the 30s and 40s are very much built into my DNA, and they remind me of like being huddled under a blanket while in the middle of mm. while, while, while it's raining and then when it comes to stuff i remember watching with my dad mm. he had very different taste in movies he only liked really heavy historically accurate movies about world war ii which were not my jams. I don't really have a lot of those, except for The Great Escape, which is awesome. Mm. Uh, But uh, he liked really silly comedies. Like, really silly comedies. So, some movies that I will watch and they make me giggle, and I know they're not great, but I watched them with my dad and they made me laugh, uh, were uh, The Three Amigos. Okay. Which is not a great movie, but has some of the funniest jokes in it. (laughs) It's really funny. Uh, And, um, uh, oh... (laughs) And this movie is... This, this is not a good movie, but it makes me laugh. A Night at the Roxbury. Oh,
1: God. I watched oh, that with William. my dad. No. <laughs> my dad
0: thought that was the funniest thing. Hmm. And I mostly laughed because my dad laughed.
1: Okay.
0: Because my dad, who had these, like, really high standards for most things, had, like, the lowest standards when it, com- it came to comedy. And the fact that my dad thought it was really funny that, like, Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell were, like saw Emilio Estevez once and thought that was the coolest story they had in their back pocket. It made him laugh. I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> but that's a, it's a personal connection you have, you know. So yeah, that's yeah. that's what I'm talking about. You have anything yeah. like that at all?
1: Uh, no. Well, I, tell, I tell me about a couple albums.
0: Tell me about a couple albums that take you back.
1: Um what did, what did I get recently? Um, what was I listening to? Uh I, I'm when uh, uh when I was in like the seventh grade mm. it was around 12 years old I was introduced to uh, the band they might be Giants oh it yeah. was, was a very 12 year old kind of a band <laughs> it's, it's uh, very much they're, for like eccentric they're,
0: kids yeah, yeah
1: kind of like kind of like whimsical not not a lot of hard edge uh, interesting mm. musically um you get into the harder stuff when you hit high school um mm. but the, the a lot harder
0: of th- they might be Giants albums.
1: Uh, even their hard rock albums aren't. Yes. No. I'm uh, around the album, they did an album called John Henry, which uh, is generally agreed by a lot of they might be giants fans to be like one of their lower points. Yeah. Because it's when they got the band. They got a band. Yeah. It wasn't just the John and John anymore. It was John and John and Dan and Dan and Dan. So uh, I'm not kidding.
0: <laughs> is that a coincidence or they do that on purpose? Nope.
1: They just they hired three guys and they all just happened to be named Dan. Hilarious. Uh, and they're both and they're already both named John. And okay. Uh, so yeah, that was sort of like the downturn for them, and mm-hmm. then of course the, the albums after that were. Amazing. Mm-hmm. They've always been a bit of a mixed bag. Like yeah. some of them some, are really some good, some, some of them bad are really not really great. I think their first five records are pretty unassailable. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I went back and I started listening to a lot of the earlier. They might be giants. It's like okay, this is me at various points throughout my life as i discovered Mm. all of these records because they're incredibly prolific as well i have like 15 studio albums Uh,
0: thanks to an episode Mm. of tiny tune adventures which featured several uh tracks from the album flood Uh. there is a whole generation of people in gen x gen y Mm. for whom flood is a formative record
1: yeah and it's a uh, great record actually it's 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 pretty darn good flood uh it came out in 1990 and um that was the year i turned 12 yeah and uh Uh, My friends and I invented something that we called flood syndrome, and that flood was so good. Uh, that when you tried to go to another They Might Be Giants record even another good one Uh, it was going to seem lackluster in comparison yeah if your entrance point is the highest point of an artist's career Mm -hmm. you're going to be nothing but disappointed there it
0: can be tricky yeah when people say like hey how do I get started with like Mm -hmm. Hitchcock or whatever I'm like do not start with Rear Window
1: well definitely Mm -hmm. don't start with Vertigo definitely
0: Um, you'll know Vertigo doesn't work unless you've seen his other movies but like maybe don't start with the big stuff start with some of the interesting other stuff Mm -hmm. and then you can bounce around Four correspondence is good strange on a train is great, but not like so superlative that there's nowhere to go but down, mm. and, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, so like, it's it's not bad advice. It's not bad advice but uh, anyway hopefully that helps and i'm okay. glad you're hopefully you're feeling better it sounds like you're feeling better mm-hmm. uh and i hope that stays the case and again we will treasure these books thank you so yeah, much thank you so much
1: uh, with, the, with the kitten teeth marks is, is that it for a physical uh, that's it for a physical letters. okay i think we have time um, for one or two emails all right uh, here's a letter from dan hello dan hi dan um it says hello gentlemen this is my first time writing you guys a letter well thank you thank you for, thank writing you for us. joining us uh i have i have really bad dyslexia and was never taught proper grammar so i apologize if my letter reads like garbage don't
0: don't uh, it, th- you're fine.
1: Th- if if my reading is garbage that's the issue here.
0: yeah no but seriously um,
1: don't don't worry about it thank thank you for caring enough to be concerned but don't this, worry about it. and this uh, this is about dating advice so oh, a okay. little, little bit of personal information here uh my long distance uh my long distance girlfriend of two or so years recently broke up with me oh sorry about uh that. never fun yeah uh, i'm going through some heartache and i miss her dearly i'm debating if I, if i should try for for lack of a better phrase to win her back Mm. She said she couldn't handle us drifting apart and the spark was lost. I offered to fly down to see her immediately, but she was not down with that idea. I respected her decision after a pretty lengthy discussion slash argument about our relationship. As I write this, I know it might sound foolish, but I was just thinking she might be the one. I'm going to give it a few months to see if I still have the same feelings for her as I do now. I have two questions for you, gentlemen. One, what are some fun breakup movies and albums? (laughs) And two, any tips for trying to win someone back or moving on from someone? Uh, Thank you Mm. for your time.
0: Uh, first off we're not uh, Dating experts or psychologists Or no, anyone who's we, we got any meaningful expertise here. Like So that. I'm not going to do the thing Where people would like call into Loveline or whatever And they'll give you like advice or, like I'm not going to do that uh, What I will recommend is respect boundaries mm. Always respect boundaries yes. If someone says they're not interested That has got to be okay mm. It's one thing to try to like Get in touch with them after a while mm. But l- let it go If that's what they want you got it. You got it. Yeah, it's, that's what life is sometimes.
1: There, uh... This, this might not be the advice you want to hear, but no. um, I haven't heard any stories about a couple that breaks up
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then... Gets back together
0: and stays together. and stays
1: together after that.
0: No, it's often, uh, a, it's often a rough a, cycle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Greg Barrett, who is a dating uh, advice columnist. He's also mm. a stand up comedian. He wrote, um, he's just not in that into you. Uh, he also wrote a second book called it's called a breakup because it's broken. Uh, and yeah, when, when a breakup happens, a breakup happens and, uh, that can sting a yeah. lot and yeah. it's hard to let somebody go. Um, here's what you don't do you don't do what i did which was make them a mixtape after you've broken up oh. uh and and definitely oh. don't start it with don't you forget about me by simple minds because oh no. that's just embarrassing isn't it no it's not it's it's
0: sweet uh, but it's also like again people want to move on with their lives hmm. and being asked someone asking someone to Come back to what maybe they're trying to move on from Can be difficult and it's yeah. not necessarily especially Well if, advised Especially if, if
1: you're the one being dumped That's yeah. the worst part of
0: it And listen um, it's it's hard but again And again I don't know the specifics of your situation mm-hmm. I, I don't and to take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt But the one thing I just have to, just to Hammer down this is always true Respect boundaries And if someone says it's over It has to be okay that it is
1: It, it has yeah. to be okay you, you it, just it, has, need, it has to be okay. It's just hard to say that in the moment. Oh, it's and very hard to that, say that it in the st- moment. That stink can last but I, know, weeks, months, even oh, a couple
0: years. I've still got plenty of baggage from old relationships, but growing up, you know, I'm forty now. I'm not you're old, old, but I've had experience. Um it, it, the the <sighs> you you start realizing after you've been in a situation that is unpleasant multiple times, like a breakup, which if you mm-hmm. date will happen once in a while uh you start realizing that although it is sad um it doesn't it's not the end of the world and it doesn't have to be as hard every time you start realizing okay it sucks but i've been here before i will survive i will meet someone else there's plenty of other people in the world and it will get easier over time and there's a certain amount of nourishment that i could take from that Mm. the last couple of breakups that i had were like bad but i'd been through breakups before and it was a little easier for me to go i know i'll be okay yeah Um, this isn't the end of the world this isn't the end of dating it mm. will eventually i'll i'll be sad for a while Mm. i'll get over it eventually it'll be hard and then we'll move on
1: yeah um uh, and I'm going to give you a little bit of advice uh, that Guinan gave to Wesley. Mm. Uh, there is an episode where Wesley uh, fell in love and uh, with a foreign dignitary who was traveling. Turns yeah. out that she couldn't be with Wesley; if her yeah. job was too important. And he's sulking in Ten Forward because yeah. he's he's heartbroken. Mm-hmm. He's sad. Uh, Guinan approaches him and uh, and just says, "Hey, so you're just going to sulk here all day?" And he says, "You know something very." you know, teenage and very romantic. He's like, mm. oh, you know, I never thought, you know, it feels like I'm never going to have this again. And Gunnan says, you're right. You're never going to have this again. Sure. And, and Wesley's a little taken aback. It's like, wait a minute, what? That's, that, how that's, that's not what you're supposed to say. Suppo- you're supposed to say, yes, I will. And she's like, well, no, you know, every, per- you're going to find other people you fall in love with, but every time it's going to be a little different mm-hmm. because every relationship is different because it's two different people each time. Uh, so, I'll, I'll encourage you dear, dear writer
0: mm-hmm.
1: that there's multiple ones for you. Yeah. Uh, there, she is,
0: there might just, there yeah, might be, yeah. there might be uh, someone who's right for the right time exactly, and then yeah. it's, yeah. then that's not right anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of it.
1: So, uh, you're going to find somebody else and the way you love, Somebody else is going to be different from the mm-hmm. way you love that first person. And you may uh, never put a torch down for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You might be carrying all your torches. A lot of people love that way. Mm. Uh, but getting hung up on the notion that there's only going to be one person for you is only going to prevent you from finding the other right person for you.
0: Well, you the last thing you want to do is let it prevent you from finding the right no. person. That's for certain. Uh, and again... We are film critics. Mm. We have life experience, but we have no more life experience than probably anyone else our age.
1: I gave advice from Star Trek for fuck's sake. So I'm just Um. saying,
0: again, we're not telling you what to do. We don't have that right or that power. But you asked. Mm. We've said what we've said. Regarding breakup movies, there are different kinds of breakup movies. There are fun breakup movies. There are sad breakup movies. Um, I'll tell you what the worst breakup movie I can think of is... Mm. And it's a movie that I used to like, and then I grew out of it. 500 Days of Summer (laughs) is not a healthy film. It's got some energy, there's stuff I like in it, but it is actually...
1: Well, it's actually about how unhealthy a lot of that stuff is. Yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily selling
0: how unhealthy a lot of it is. In fact, I think Mm, it romanticizes... I think think the romanticization uh, outweighs the reality checks later. mm. And especially considering how twee and cute the ending is, I feel like it doesn't really feel like...
1: The protagonist has
0: gotten where they need to go Or where they claim to It's
1: a here we go again ending Yeah
0: so I'm not a huge fan I I wouldn't recommend that one Um, Here's a good one The Odd Couple Okay. Yeah, a couple's a very good breakup movie uh, Jack Lemmon plays a guy who is Very fastidious uh, Very particular kind of person uh, And his wife leaves him Or rather she kicks him out And he ends up staying with uh, A guy played by Walter Matthau Who is more of a slob More of a man's man kind of thing There couldn't be more different for each other uh, And they end up staying together And driving each other nuts But eventually realizing that they have a lot in common and a lot to give to each other and they actually have a very positive, you know, unromantic, but a very positive relationship. And I think that's actually kind of a great rebound movie in a way. It's not a romantic rebound, Mm. but it's about, I thought there was one person with whom I had a connection and you realize you can have a connection with really unlikely people. And it's a really good movie. It's very well written. Um, It's aged very well. Uh, so that's a good example. Mm. Um, let me think. I,
1: I guess it depends on what kind of a breakup movie you're looking for. Well, are different for, kinds. Yeah, yeah, if you're looking for something really kind of fun and light about a breakup, <laughs> mm. uh, I, you watch the Harley Quinn movie. That's about a breakup. Pre, uh, pre, uh, uh, Birds of Prey.
0: That's a very mm. sort of like yeah, I, my. It broke mm. up with that asshole, and now mm. I'm going about my own business. And Just
1: I'm the, the asshole she broke up happens to be a Batman villain. Yeah, uh, but, but and she, she herself is she's a Batman gonna villain. find
0: her voice. She's gonna find her friends. She's gonna mm. be okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I was actually debating whether or not to recommend yeah. that because I know you're not a huge fan, but <laughs> I'm, it's funny. I'm
1: not a huge fan of the movie. I, yeah, I, I. That's the aspect of the movie I like mm. is is sort of the breakup stuff. Um,
0: if you want a sappy one, mm. like a kind of like one that's like, ah, oh, I'll find someone again, which is totally valid mm. uh the holiday the holiday <laughs> is a nancy myers joint. the holiday oh it's it's I, fun i it's, I do like
1: nancy myers nancy
0: myers is you know not everyone's taste but uh, i think the holiday is probably her masterpiece um it is about uh kate winslet has an asshole boyfriend that she's trying to get over and cameron diaz same uh cameron diaz lives in la kate winslet lives in england and they decide to, they in sw- order to they get they a swap break, houses, they swap so. houses. It's an uncommon but a thing people sometimes do for vacations. Mm. Uh, so they both get to go completely outside of their comfort zone, get all the way across the planet from the guy that they're trying to avoid, and they end up meeting people in those respective places and falling in love. Mm. It is absolutely charming. <laughs> it's really, really sweet. It's actually able to deal with some like pretty decent emotional stuff mm-hmm. about why those relationships were worth ending in the first place um and and then they actually do find something really romantic and it ends up being very positive for them that's right. great okay that's really good i love that um, movie it's it's a little sappy but you want that sometimes
1: the, the kind of movie uh and we've talked about this sort of thing before do you want the happy thing uh, when you're in a bad mood or do you want hmm. the miserable thing when
0: yeah, you're in a
1: bad mood? yeah. And, and i tend to gravitate toward the miserable shit <laughs> i know
0: you do um
1: so i'm going to recommend a film called 44-inch chest i have seen this no, nobody talks about this movie okay. and it has a great cast it has uh ray winstone it has um uh, John Hurt mm. it has Ian McShane uh, and they're all these old gangster guys mm. uh, this is like mid to late 2000s so they're already like in their 70s and Ray Winstone has found that his wife has had an affair mm. and this it's very theatrical it all t- t- takes place in like this one setting and they just yeah. dialogue a lot of conversations people telling stories and uh, his plan is the gangster's plan. What are you going to do when you find that your wife is having an affair? You kidnap the guy and you torture him. So they're they're essentially just waiting for yeah. the, like goons to bring a guy in so they can kind of torture him. And by the end of the movie, Ray Winstone has spent so much time thinking about how hurt he is that all he can do when this guy comes in is tell him what like how good his marriage was and how it actually wasn't as good when he thinks about it. It's like, wait a minute. So you took her and there's this, look, there comes a point in your marriage where you're fixing the thing under the sink and you know she's not going to notice, but you're doing it for her. And I've devoted my whole life, like he's actually becomes very vulnerable Mm -hmm. at the last minute. And we realize he doesn't need revenge. That's yeah. the machismo talking. Yeah. That's the simple solution. You think it's going to help out. And what he really just needs to say is, I'm hurt. Yeah. I f- I'm feeling a lot of pain. And when he gets to say that, he just leaves the movie and that's it. Yeah, That's all he needed was this kind of cathartic moment where he just says, I- I'm very sad. I'm feeling a lot of pain right now, mm. period. And that's not something I've ever said.
0: Yeah, you know, there's some, there's an aspect <clears throat> of breakups which are, even though you might be hurting for romance, they're very romantic, mm. in a way. There's this sense that we've lost something very profound, and, mm. um, and I think it's a, it's important to re, to sort of revel in that, not just feel sad about it, but like, um. Uh, there's, I think there's a line in Scott Pilgrim, I think at least in the books, where mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, I'm miserable right now, but I didn't know I could feel this powerfully, mm-hmm. and there's something kind of like special about yeah. that, and you kind of want to celebrate that, so uh, a movie that kind of revels in that sort of the mystique of being, of being part of a breakup uh, is King Express.
1: Oh there you go. Yeah. One's going to bring War. up uh, Happy Together. Oh but, there you uh, go. I've not seen another, Happy Together. Another one car wide. Uh, yeah. but yeah,
0: Chunking Express is about uh two romantic cops who have just been broken up with. And uh, D- one of whom is t- Two different
1: movies. Yeah, they're yeah. totally
0: Yeah, it's it's two different stories. Uh, one is a cop whose his girlfriend broke up with him and he's got this very weird way of coping where he keeps eating food that's close to its expiration date because it helps him keep the time Uh, But then he chances upon and happens to meet and have a very brief like one night sort of love affair uh, with a criminal and it ends up changing his life in a way he couldn't have anticipated. And then another one is about a cop who was uh, dating a flight attendant and she dumps him and he's so lost and aimless that he's completely oblivious to the fact that someone who works at this uh, uh, diner That he goes to is in love with him and secretly fixing his life in ways that he doesn't notice (laughs) and he can't appreciate because he's so because he's so self centered he's so like focused on the heartache that he's missing what's right in front of him and it's rather sweet and romantic so that's a good one tell me about Happy Together because I wish I'd never seen
1: that one uh, it's about I think they're both assassins and uh, (laughs) and they and they they fall in love and they have pretty much just a really bad relationship Mm. but uh, you know they kind of get to contemplate sort of the, the state of their relationship over the mm-hmm. course of the movie. Um, yeah. I really like happy together. Awesome. All right. So hopefully that helps. And again,
0: our, our advice is just us rambling about stuff that we're familiar with. The other people will give you different advice. Feel free to listen to them, but you ask for a two cents and then there you go. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully it helps a little. And if not, hopefully it was an entertaining conversation. Um, anyway, that's it for uh, We've Got Mail this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for joining in. Thank you, everybody, for writing. It means the world to us. If you want to write in and have your letter read, responded to, answered on an upcoming episode, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney,
1: what is our PO Box? Yes, it is uh, letter of uh, PO Box 641565, Los Angeles, California 90064. Mm-hmm. And if you want to communicate with us in other more immediate
0: ways, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani.
1: At Whitney Seibold. Uh,
0: feel free to head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. In addition to exclusive shows like our new Step Up podcast, Step Me Up, Step Me Down, which will be debuting in the next week or so, uh, and our uh, Oscars podcast, we review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture, our Star Trek podcast, we review every single episode of Star Trek. Uh, We also have... Online hangouts where you can talk to us about just whatever's on your mind. Once a month, we also do uh, trivia nights. We're about to schedule another one of those for this week. Uh so head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network to join the fun. Yay. Hmm. Um, and I think that's about it. That's about it. All right, thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. <laughs>